Good morning and hello again. Welcome to Mastermind Minutes. My name is Gary Ocugroso. I am the founder and managing partner for Franchise Growth Solutions and the publisher of FranchiseMoneyMaker.com. Uh, for those of you who follow the program every Tuesday, you know that Mastermind Minutes is relatively simple concept. We have one guest, we ask one question or have one topic, and we get an expert answer. We usually do this in minutes, not hours. As we tell folks, we know that uh, that can be somewhat intriguing or perhaps just a tease, and you might want to reach our guest um, directly after the program. So we'll give you all the contact information of our guest, and you can feel free to reach out uh, and, and contact and learn more about this topic today. So today, uh, I am really, really honored to have Venus Barak on the program. Uh, Venus has worked and lived in over 50 countries, which I, I have to say I'm jealous of. I think that that's an amazing thing. She's done that for almost two decades, and her career has really been aimed towards uh, helping businesses around the globe reach out into what we call opportune markets, maybe places they hadn't thought about going. Uh, she's been forming alliances through resourcefulness, innovation, and integrity, and that's a big part of what she does. Uh, she spent the last decade and a half working with over 5,000 SMEs and Fortune 500 companies, addressing growth issues at both the macro and the micro level. Uh, she's been instrumental in addressing donor relations, fundraising, growth and development issues, among many other things, some of which we'll talk about today. She's currently leading Fran Global, which is an international market entry firm. Uh, she is the CEO. The company is based in New Delhi, India, and uh, she's been in the franchising industry for over 16 years. Uh, and um, I'm very, very excited to have you on the program today because international development uh, is not something that we usually talk about on the program. So uh, thank you yes. so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, uh, Gary. And it's, a, it's, a, it's great to be here. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, I think I'm very excited to share uh, my experience and uh, you know what mar our markets offer. Great, great. Well, before we get into the question, um, why don't you tell us for the for the audience, uh, so they may not be familiar with Fran Global uh, or you, why don't you tell us a little bit more sure. about Venus Barak and about Fran Global in general? Great. So uh, I'm Venus Barak uh, and I actually come from a very small town uh, from India uh, and uh, three girls. So my mom uh, had a tough life in the 70s because, uh, you know, girls were not wanted. But, uh, you know, so a part of us, uh, like a very strong uh, uh, women uh, family. And uh, uh, I've spent last 25 years uh, working uh, with businesses, uh, governments, non-government organizations across the world. But last 16 years have been instrumental. I've only focused uh, on franchising and licensing. And predominantly, in fact, my first venture in franchising was when we brought Frankcourt to India, which actually is a Chicago-based franchise consulting firm. So we bought the master franchise of that and really helped hundreds and hundreds of companies. So that's the power of franchising. And uh, uh, Fran Global, the company which I head now, I'm the CEO. So we exclusively uh, spend our time uh, and we have experience of over uh, two decades, 20 years, uh, working with international brands and help them find a uh, master franchise partner predominantly in India, the Middle East, South Asia. Uh, we are expanding into other parts of the world also. I think we are focusing right now on 
Africa. Uh, and I think where this all comes from is the company uh, where who are our parent company called Franchise India. So Franchise India is a 25-year-old organization, the largest franchise service company in the world. And I know sounds daunting, but actually that's the fact. Uh, in India, Franchise India runs the whole ecosystem of franchising from exhibitions to magazines. In fact, we also are the licensees for Entrepreneur, an American magazine. Again, American brands have uh, integrations and partnerships across the world. And uh, as part of Franchise India, we do have that uh, uh, depth and breadth of uh, working with hundreds and thousands of brands and, and probably millions of uh, investors. So Brand Global, of course, does get that benefit, but our, our work is focused on working with international brands. Uh, yes, America is a very big market for us, but I mean, we work brands from all across the world. So that's, that's, I think, I hope, uh, uh, Gary, kind of that set mm. some uh, context. No, that's, that, that's a great place to start. It's a great overview. Um, what I'd like to discuss today and what our question really revolves around, obviously, international development. But, you know, what, as a company that focuses on this and maybe t and taking brands, say, from the U.S. and getting them into the opportune markets, as your, uh, as your introduction implied, what what should brands consider or why should they consider international development and how can you sort of outline what are the advantages and disadvantages and before you answer i you know i'm sure that the consideration for entering into an international market and advantages and disadvantages may be different for an emerging brand versus a mature brand so if you can sort of give us sort of the whole question i'm sure other things will come up as as we listen to what you're saying uh, gary i think your point about uh, uh, every brand is different and every scale of brand is different so i think i would take you back and your audience uh decades uh back i'm talking the 80s uh that's when we saw the the bigger voice of franchising sort of shipping uh, out uh, uh and of course even before that, it was Pepsi and Coke, but uh, uh, it was McDonald's and Burger Kings and KFCs of the world. I mean, looking beyond America, I mean, I mean, the the world was completely different. There was practically no internet. There were no cell phones, but it still happened. And so they were actually, I mean, whatever we say about these brands, but these brands were the major uh, enabler for what we see today in franchising. And uh, brands like McDonald's, Burger King, KFC, they have been in this, in like Asia, the Middle East, uh, more than 40 years. And, and, and in fact, when they came, there was no supply chain. So I would say, I think I really have to give them credit. So I think you, you touched upon a very important point that what uh, it means to, uh, you know, uh, develop uh, when you are a top tier brand, like the top 100 franchisors in America, when you are a, what we call a mid-sized brand where you have, let's say, anywhere from 100 to 500 locations in, in America, uh, you know, a certain size. And then third, of course, is startup brands. I think uh, the way I see this and the way I have experienced this is there's an opportunity for for everyone because I think it is, uh, uh, again, I, I'm i a very franchise pro, pro uh, uh, individual, but uh, and, and this franchising all across the world, but 
America is the most mature franchise market anywhere in the world. You are a three trillion dollar economy in franchising. Uh, I mean, the second market, which is the UK, doesn't even come near. So I think it's just the maturity of franchising is, is just too much. In fact, uh, American brands from day one, uh, you know, they are thinking about franchising. They are, uh, and 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 because the way your market is regulated, every state has different franchise law. They have to register. So American brands are are from the very beginning of, you know, aware of what it takes to franchise. They, you have the law, you have the resources, talent, market, I mean, everything. That, that's why you have such a big economy. And of course, the largest consumption market in the world. So I think there's, there are certain things which are very inherent. As, as far as brands are concerned, I see many opportunities. I think I've come uh, to realize that America sometimes is a category leader also in some brands. So for example, current I'm looking at your market of cookies. I mean, donuts was a big thing 10, 15 years back when all the, like, you know, all sort of donut brand from big to kind of mid-size came to our markets. Cookie, and I mean, I'm, I see this uh, industry, you have so many great cookie brands and they still have not shipped themselves at scale in our market. And I know that it's going to happen. So I think uh, uh, with American brands, one, I think you have to consider sometimes the category also, like for example, the category of burgers and pizzas, ice cream, it's really, I mean, you're, we have at least, you know, you go to pizza, there are 15, 20 brand, American brands in, in, in a typical market. If you go to burger, at least there are five to seven. Um, ice cream, of course, uh, uh, again in double digits. So I think there's certain categories which are very mature, like quick service, where uh, I think you really, when you come to the market, you really have to see what is your offering. Uh, is it, uh, Because you'll be competing against someone who has been in that market for many years. Right. And the second, I think uh, I see with emerging brands, if you have a unique category, which is still unexplored, uh, like we did Magnolia Bakery, you know, very small brand out of New York, uh, only 10 stores. But uh, I mean, out of the, I think the uh, 35 stores, uh, uh, 10 are in America, everything else is outside America. Five already in India, we did that deal. So so I think it, it but again, banana pudding, the product, they were the leader in that. And and I think that product really sort of uh, uh, took off and they really kind of treated the product very well. So I would say, I think for the TRA brand, uh, the strategy, uh, generally they used to be very opportunistic. I mean, if I if I take myself back 16, 17 years back when I joined the business, Gary, I would meet biggest of the brands and they will tell me, okay, I knew this guy. He gave me uh, $200,000 then I pulled his brand. I can't name those brands, but you know, the bigger boys have done that. But I think they are now looking at uh, our markets more strategically. They know that just taking off uh, initial fee doesn't kind of really promises that your brand will be successful. So for them, the challenge is totally different. Mm -hmm. uh, for for mid-sized brands, I would say, I think they're uh, they are well capitalized now. They have hundreds of units, they have a franchise system. So, so they when they transport their brand, I think for them, having that proof of uh, uh, the deal, the brand in a new market is important. So I think they are going through that uh, rocket science of supply chain, plugging in the supply chain and everything. For startup brands, I think uh, they have to find their uniqueness. Like, for example, I'm currently working with, for the very first time, I've, uh, this uh, Indian uh, uh, entrepreneur in America who started an Indian-Chinese brand, Colinchin. And they have like 35 plus units, all franchised. 
and I happen to speak to them and I'm getting them to Dubai. Again, not a very large brand, but again, a very unique category. So I would say, I think uh, brands have to really uh, uh, come from which category they are uh, belonging to, for example. So the big quick service ones are fairly saturated. If, if you bring in, let's say, a coffee brand to Middle East, you would have a lot of competition because, it's, I mean, there are there are many players. But yes, as I mentioned, I so many sectors which are very, very much like your, your healthcare franchises. I mean, that is going to be very big. Let me tell you, now there are only a few brands, but you will see a lot of your healthcare service franchises, uh, uh, you know, which are still like they're very big in America, but they're not very big in our part of the world. Yep, yep. Uh, so, so not just food. I think food is one. Uh, 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 service brands, and uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, uh, worked uh, as uh, very closely with like brands like Remax, which are very large. Uh, but uh, they're still like, if you look at service brands, they're still I can count on my hand, like you know, yeah. there's. So there's a, there's a huge opportunity in those brands. And uh, uh, another thing is, uh, you know, aligning like certain consumer brands, which might be slightly new, they might find our markets from a consumption, like we have young consumers, aspirational consumers, they would find those uh, from, they would find interesting from that standpoint. But in sense. the end, it all, in, in the end, it all comes down, uh, 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 you know, if uh, the brand has uh, is the strategy is 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 right they have they have a great product they have a great of course sop in the end that's what matters and uh, if they translate that well it is not an overnight process i think we have all done those deals and those relationships where we were excited but then it didn't pan out well uh, we just have to kind of think slightly long term and not just six months so, so while you were speaking there, and you you touched on service brands, but prior to that short part on service brands, all everything you were talking about were were food brands, and and that's our, I mean, at Franchise Growth Solutions, one of the things we're known for, and it, I think yes. it's mostly because a lot of companies that do or claim to do what we do don't really like to deal with restaurant brands because it's more difficult than a service brand. Now, I understand, obviously, it's self-evident people everywhere all around the world have to eat okay but they don't necessarily have to have someone paint their house or spray their yard with mosquitoes or plumbers and some of the and you mentioned home care we have we have service brands in our portfolio economies being what they are service brands are really in my opinion focused on um, sort of disposable income, okay? So you have to eat, okay? But you don't necessarily have to have your house painted. You can do that on your own. So how are, not not that you couldn't cook on your own, but how are service brands uh, looked upon in other parts of the world? Uh, and, and what differences are you seeing in bringing a service brand, you mentioned Dubai, to Dubai versus uh, a cookie brand? That's such a great question, and and uh, uh, and I think you touched upon that people can paint their house, and I know people do that in America. But uh, do would I paint my house in India? The answer is no. Would somebody do that in at least the answer is no. We would get uh, someone else, like a contractor. Now, uh, majority of that business is in the what we call fragmented or unorganized sector. 
when we bring in a franchise brand, we're actually organizing that. We are, we, there's a, so like, for example, we run uh, and we actually uh, have our majority investor in India's largest laundromat company. There was, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar market, but there was no brand in doing laundry because there was this person coming to everyone's house and they were washing clothes, taking. But now, of course, that is changed. There are 300 laundromats now in like five, six years. Uh, it's still not those very big numbers and we can do thousand of them. But uh, so in our markets, uh, the service businesses, either they are out of reach. So luxury, premium, like, you know, you'll, you'll go and you'll pay like top dollar, or we have a lot of unorganized. Now, brands like Kembra, and we have that relationship. Uh, in fact, you know, you, you won't believe we have sold Orkin, the, the mosquito brand in Bangladesh. They're doing very well. Again, nobody realized that, you know. So uh, I think what, what the difference between America and our markets is, uh, you know, we have, uh, yes, the labor, first of all, labor is very different. Uh, like if you have a property management business, if you're paying someone, they are they're getting $25, $30 an hour. Here we are paying them a monthly salary, which is not that much. But according to the price point, so for, for us, when you work with a service brand, uh, Gary, my biggest challenge for, uh, to American brands is to help them understand that the labor dynamic is just very different uh, yep. uh, in our markets. And, uh, and I think once that is kind of uh, adjusted, the opportunity can be huge. So I would say uh, uh, service brands, again, it's a, it's an opportunity would be uh, like in next 10 years, you will see uh, them adding at least, uh, you know, many, many countries, uh, both Asia, Middle East, Europe for sure. Although Europe is tough because of labor. So, so like generally like a homestead, uh, as far as I remember, they have their own company in the UK, and that's how they manage that business. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, uh, so I think, in comparison with food, is of course is a very established category. You will be typically talk. I mean, food is, I mean, all everyone knows how. So you need you need capital. You got to be well capitalized. You know, like if I sell a service brand, capital is not the first question from my side. My question is, I mean, do you? I mean, what is your marketing and sales capacity? Right. How yeah. many, what kind of people you can hire and you can uh, sort of, you know, uh, train. Uh, but in food is generally real estate and capital. I need to, and then of course, operation. I mean, is it an Augustine operator? So for me, that is, I, I, I hate using the word cookie cutter, but just because it has been done so many times, there is a format. Uh, but but I see opportunities for American brands in food for sure. But I think the way, opportunities used to be 10 years back and now very different like digital you know 10 years back we didn't have like this digital play into food into uh now every brand who, who comes into our market they have to say okay this many sales would be through a uh, digital platform and this is the money they'll be taking in so they have to think about the food cost and all those things so i think uh, uh food uh is interesting, but yes, we should know what kind of category they come from and accordingly, they it would be translated. Otherwise, they might have issues. I hope that kind of- gets No, that, no that, that was brilliant answer because uh, a couple of things. First of all, here in the States, as you know, the service businesses in the world of franchising are all the rage because they're low cost of capital to get in. Um, and private equity loves them and and restaurants can be bulky and expensive. So so here I'm aware of it. The interesting thing about the insights you shared and what sort of 
brought me to to bring up the service businesses. Uh, you know, m many, I don't want to say most, uh, many Americans, you know, we sort of live in a bubble um, in terms of the rest of the world. So we don't think that, as you mentioned, in Bangladesh, there would be a mosquito service company. We don't think that way. Um, again, it's not, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying many people, that's that's the way it is. So getting back to sort of the restaurant piece, because I think that's, you know, there are more moving parts, as we say. So if I wanted to bring a brand into India or Dubai or any of the Gulf states, now, how do I deal with things like trademark or 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 trademark is sort of a, a lawyer thing and you can certainly share your your insights on that but how would i deal with supply chain how would i get my food product or something that's unique how, how do i deal with that especially if i'm an emerging brand um does your company sort of help me navigate that how does how does that work oh Great question again. And as you can imagine, Gary, when you work with a brand, especially an emerging brand, there is an overla overlap of uh, scope and relationships. Uh, 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 but uh, as far as trademark is concerned, I think it's, as you mentioned, straightforward. Although American lawyers are very expensive. Uh, so I would not typically get my trademark from American lawyers. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, I mean, uh, you, 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 can, you can check. Uh, I think this is for if you don't want to spend too much money, uh, check on the web if uh, that country is part of a Madrid convention. If they are, uh, I mean, it's much, much, much easier. If they are not, which certain countries, especially in Middle East where we work, there are. So you would have, typically, you can go with your attorneys. They would have some third party in that country. They'll get that done. So you, that you can evaluate. As far as supply chain is concerned, it's every country is different from each other. So I'll give you some examples. Like if you uh, get to Dubai, like if you're operating in the Muslim sort of uh, oriented country in Middle East, you have to have a law certification. Otherwise, you just can't do it. Right. The good thing is all, almost every brand operates there and they have suppliers there. They have American import products supplying there, especially if it is a, a, a region like, like Middle East uh, where it's 5% duty is flat, so it's much easier to import or source also. Sourcing is, uh, but you have to have a law certification. You have to have a certain criteria, like you can't serve pork. Like if you go to Middle East, you are, you're not eating pork. Uh, if, you, if you eat bacon, it's actually beef bacon. Right. Uh, in India, when I eat, uh, order my pizza, pepperoni pizza, I'm not getting real pepperoni. I'm actually getting chicken pepperoni. So, you know, these are smaller, smaller things, but they kind of somewhere very connected and very important to the culture of that particular country. So, one, I'm, I mean, as a brand, you and I think I've seen every brand is sensitive now. now uh, and that's why you work with a partner. I think that's why you have to have a master franchise or at least someone who is kind of committing exclusive development. And and you work with them. Uh, 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 you work with your own. I, I've I've done so many. Uh, I mean, I've done so much work with clients where their American suppliers already had a distributor or a supply chain done already in India or in Asia or in the Middle East. So so I think those you would have to kind of work those things out. There would be a work a need work to be done on vendors. There there work there needs to be a work on food cost. Uh, uh, menu development, of course, you have to have the product development. I mean, cut, co cutting, copying the the menu. Of course, you have to have those uh, photo shoots. Pro everything has to be redone. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. 
and I, another i would say with supply chain you also have to know that the relationship is not just about uh, you know you launching the restaurant being there for 15 days and that's it it's a much longer term relationship i think uh, uh, the success of the brand should be as important to you as to the master franchise uh, and that those things are uh, uh, important uh, and yes i think every like in india if you come beef typically is not served so if you come mcdonalds there's no cheeseburger there is no cheeseburger it's a, it's a it's a it's a chicken burger it's a it's a vegetable patty which is uh, the most popular burger but i mean it, and they don't actually make money like when they started just 30 cents but they taught 30 years 25 27 years back how to eat a burger because you're not eating burgers when you're children so i think uh, you just have to if you are a brand uh, just think long term and i've seen very big brands kind of just saying oh i want to i will only open a 10000 square feet uh, restaurant or a bar and they did and but that was the only one and so you would just have to uh, be assertive but be flexible that's what works you stick to your what you know your, about the brand and then of course miss it up with the culture and the people work with the master franchise don't do it in isolation i have seen that happening and it doesn't work yeah and and i think and i, I if you have any last word on this you 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 mentioned the word partner and master franchisee i think that's a key component because culturally the differences can be daunting for you know someone not familiar with the culture in terms of the menu or in terms of religious restrictions how do people use i mean, i remember many many years ago back in the 90s uh i was with a chicken brand here in new york and we did a development in taiwan and our restaurants in new york were they were small um because people used it for lunch in manhattan well when we opened in taipei the the master franchisee urged us urged us make sure we have this restaurant 4000 square feet or whatever it was in meters i don't remember and we we sort of pushed back eventually we relented and we were very glad that we let our partner drive sort of that decision because what we didn't realize is that the folks in taipei were going to use our here in america fast food restaurant for lunch in and out they were going to use it in the evening and bring their families in and they wanted seating and it was a a different cultural mindset So if you could sort of round out this conversation by talking to us about the importance of having the right master franchisee the right partner and how does how does you know Fran Global help brands connect with those people because that's a key component to success. Absolutely. I think and you touched on a very important point. For example, like in India and the Middle East Starbucks and there are hundreds of Starbucks in our countries. Uh you know, it's not just like it's not the to go culture which you have like in america you will get your coffee from drive through we mm-hmm. don't have a very popular drive through culture like a uh, 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 sonic rest like sonic rest that's the brand name like mm-hmm. they they cannot operate in india because we just don't have other than highways there is no drive through culture but in starbucks people actually here in this part of the world spending time in the store uh, 40% of sale in india of starbucks is food not i mean i mean we we can all have our feedback so so you're right i think having that understanding it can only come with the right partner there are four fits which we look for one is strategic strategic meaning are they already in that business because the fresh runway 
uh, even they might they might have a lot of money capital i mean it still would be at least three times longer than if they're already managing brands mm-hmm. the strategic fit is critical especially for mid-size and large-size brands uh, uh because again uh, uh you know you have a team and you have you're capitalized uh, a second is operational fit uh i think uh, in the end it all comes down to uh, if you are able to work on a good supply chain, if you are able to train your people well, if you are able to manage and hire good people. So operations capacity, again, that comes from, uh, I mean, what are they doing? I mean, they might not be in food, but they might be in retail. They might be in real estate. Do they have right. people? Mm-hmm. And and third is marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then, of course, fourth is capital. Now, in food business, capital would typically come second. In uh in service businesses, capital typically comes forward because capital is not that big. They have to have uh, uh the ability to market and sell first. That is my biggest challenge in service businesses. People just assume that customer is going to come to them. So I think uh, between these four fits, depending upon the brand and the market, we analyze uh and accordingly sort of spend our, our time and resources and people on uh, marketing, reaching out to the operators, getting doing the right PR. So we kind of, we're a, we a complete sort of, uh, what we've understood about franchising business is uh, even the largest of the companies. And, uh, you know, we have done projects for even brands like 3M. Uh, you know, uh, the, the franchising typically is a business which requires uh, a certain amount of, uh, 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 you know, you, you've got to be uh, very connected to it. So, so what we try and do is we bring 360 solution and uh, we help our clients to understand uh, what is the market, what is the competition, where the market is, is the market mature or not? Like, for example, if you bring a coffee shop now, I, I think uh, that, that that initial period of growth uh, is only taken care by Starbucks, Tim Hortons, and all these bigger brands. So it's a different market. But as I mentioned, if you bring a cookie brand, yes, very interesting. Uh, so uh, so we so what is the market? What is the potential? Who are the bigger guys into this, both from a brand standpoint and uh, who are uh, the operators? So we do that. And then, of course, then come to a place where uh, we have we try and qualify people. Because in, in my business, you speak to 1,000 people, only like three or four or five would actually eventually end up doing business. Right. The, yes. the, 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 the validation and qualification, I mean, it's just very – it's not about people not – it's not about again money. It's just about having that fit, and so we and eventually of course of course ending up uh, with a deal. It is not an overnight process. Generally, we kind of minimum contract period for our clients is about two years, and uh, yes, I and think I hope that answers the question. It it does, and it makes perfectly good sense. So we're we're out of time here. So if someone wants to reach you or reach out to Fran Global and learn more about this topic, how do they do that? Um, I think if you just go to, if you have LinkedIn, type my name, Venus Barak, mm-hmm. uh, you should be able to see me and or visit franglobal.com. Great, you great. Can, and and we will we'll put that link in the bio of the uh, of the website. So I have one last question for you, and then we really do have to run. Um, the International Franchise Expo will be here in New York in a few weeks. Will you be in New York? I would be there. I'm looking forward for it uh, great, to great. be Big Apple. 
So I'll be there if you uh, listen to this. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you can reach out on my LinkedIn. And yes, would love to catch up for a coffee. Excellent. Absolutely. Well, I live in the area, so I will I will definitely be there. This has been fascinating. I could spend another half an hour on, on this with you, but then it wouldn't be Mastermind Minutes anymore and we'd have a problem. <laughs> so, uh, But we have to have you back. I look forward to seeing you in New York. And uh, sure. I just want to thank you for your time today. It's been It's been absolutely insightful and exciting. Likewise, Gary. Thank you so much. You have a good day. You be well.